Hello, and welcome to A Human Perspective podcast. I'm Lola Ogentoken, a job search coach, career coach, and people operations consultant. I have spent the majority of my career helping companies of all sizes grow. Now my main focus is helping individuals grow. On this podcast, I share very human thoughts and perspectives on a range of people-related topics. I also frequently chop it up with guests who share their own perspectives. Now, I can't promise everything you hear on this podcast will always be right, but I can promise to always give you a human perspective. Let's go. Human Perspective. On this week's episode, we have Chichi Eruchalu. Chichi is an executive leadership coach, speaker, and a top voice on LinkedIn. I happened to trip across a video of Chichi on another podcast, and I really loved the insights Chichi was giving. I think a lot of coaches and people who develop leaders tend to have very same old approaches to helping people develop. And I felt that Chi Chi's perspective was very genuine in that it requires you really first being a human being and looking at yourself as a leader before looking to point the finger elsewhere. Welcome to A Human Perspective, Chi Chi. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Lola. My pleasure. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. I am an executive coach. I'm also a leadership development consultant. So I work with individuals and organizations to help them increase their impact and influence as a leader. I've been coaching for over 15 years. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm also a mum of two. I have a book that I've published, which you can get on Amazon. And yeah, I love supporting and helping leaders to be their very best self. Amazing. You've been super busy, both with personal and professional accomplishments. So congratulations. So today's topic is going to be around the challenges of being a black female leader. We are also going to discuss solutions as well, but I think we both feel this is a very important conversation and probably a bit of a hidden one because it is difficult to raise and talk about in business space when you're working within a certain environment it's not necessarily the easiest conversation to navigate or flag as a coach it is mostly women that you work with and is it mostly black females as well or the majority of my clients yeah when it comes to your experience as a coach and perhaps your own personal experiences what are some of the things you're hearing from black female leaders what are they experiencing yeah I'll go back a little bit when I was growing up so I'm the eldest of six and I remember my mum would say to me Chi Chi you're black you're going to get noticed I'm also very tall five foot ten which at 11 at five foot ten was very tall (laughs) she says you're going to get noticed people are always going to see you and you want to make sure that you're, you're seen for good things so in my mind that's always been there And as a female and a black female throughout my career, there's been a lot of things that I've observed and seen. One, I've often been the only. So I look across a room and there's only one of me. And that has always been very common. And so within that, you're already asking yourself, okay, how am I showing up? How am I presenting myself? How am I perceived? 
and you, you're weighing that up every single time you go into these spaces. Secondly, there's a thing around black people working twice as hard. So the playing field is not the same. And whilst there may be talk of like, oh yes, here's a job, here's the application, here's the process. The reality is, it's not the same. In in an organisation, you find that you have to prove yourself a lot more. You sometimes get second guessed on the things that you're saying and, and doing until a certain point, okay, this person knows what they're doing. You're never taken initially as, okay, this person can do X, Y, Z. You have to prove it first. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily see that with your white colleagues. So that is something that I, I see and I hear. There's also this angry black female picture that is painted. Yeah. So if you <laughs> raise your, well, not even if you raise your voice, if you have an opinion and if you're somebody who's assertive, you know what you want, you're very clear in what you want to get done, that can be taken the wrong way. And so I find a lot of women then are shrinking because they don't want to be seen as this angry black female. They don't want to be seen as this really loud individual. But the the fact is to progress, you need to be visible. To progress, you need to be heard. And it's that balance between all of those things. And I would say I've been quite fortunate. I've had, for the most part, good managers who looked beyond race and looked and recognized, okay, this person has talent. How can I support her and progress her career? I've also found myself right place, right time with different opportunities and roles. And so Mm -hmm. I've always been somebody, I'll go into a job, I'll go into a new situation and want to always do my very best. And also there's this thing around excellence. I know that I'm always being watched. So my bar for excellence just has to be higher, much higher. And often you find that your minimum is way higher than most people's very good. Other things you have to watch out for is overworking to try and prove yourself. So there's a lot of internal work you have to do around your value, your worth, that you're not constantly chasing this validation externally. Yeah, a a lot of what you've said sounds completely familiar. I'll start at the beginning of where you started, which is around being the only one. And I found that as well. In the majority of my career, I have been the only one or one of few or the one that lasts the longest. And yeah, there's no one to really turn to and that you can truly confide in Mm. because unless they're from the same background, they don't really understand your perspective. It's not intentional or anything like that. But the first question I wanted to ask is, why is it that we're the only one? Why isn't there more diversity? I still see photos of startups in London today. And it just really shocks me that it's still mostly white males or mostly white and sometimes often completely white. There are definitely black people going through the education system. Where are they? What is happening? Why do you think we tend to be the only ones? Yeah, and it's interesting when you say that because you're completely right. There are so many talented black males, black females in tech, in all the different industries. And when you then look at organizations and you're asking those questions around why is your leadership team not representative? The things that they will say are we can't find people or Mm. I had a conversation once with a founder and he was like, I really want to get more people, but I interview people and they don't want to be the first one coming into that space. That's a catch-22 sometimes because, Mm. yes, you're the only, but sometimes if you are the only or the first going into that environment and culture, it is very, very hard. And you need to be somebody who's extremely strong in yourself because there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to have to deal with that others just don't understand because you're the first one into that role. And some people just do not want to be in that space. Again, if you're applying for roles and you look around, you don't see anybody who looks like you, you're probably thinking, "Mm, do I want to be here? So again, that's something that sort of feeds into that. 
And then leadership and also looking at progression pathways. If you're looking to promote people, there needs to be a pool where they're coming from. So again, Mm. you've got to look at your recruitment. How are you hiring into the organization? Because if you're looking to progress people into more senior roles and you're Mm. wanting to have more black female leaders, for example, are you hiring Mm. black females? Are you doing that? Mm. And it starts right at the bottom of the foundation. And so, yes, there's work to be done in terms of creating opportunities, but also the leadership has to be wanting to have that in reality so there's the saying it but there's the actions that come with that of like okay whenever we go to hire for a senior position we must have a diverse pool of candidates no question yeah whenever we're promoting from within we need to make sure again diverse pool of candidates no question when you're recruiting you holding your recruiting managers your hiring managers to a standard of there must be x percentage of people coming through the pipeline who are from underrepresented races and that sort of thing because if you don't do that if you don't put those accountabilities in place people will not do it why Mm. would they why should they so it starts from the top in terms of yes we're saying i want to have more diverse people in my organization fantastic how are you holding people accountable to doing that and then once you're in those roles how are you supporting those individuals to progress within the organization That's exactly what I was going to highlight next. There's several points there. So my background is in recruitment and I've recruited and worked for some amazing companies. And I'll be honest, when I do recruitment, I'm always looking for the best person, not fussed about the background. I do find that diversity does increase when I'm hiring or when I'm looking for people. But even when I am looking, it's tough. It it is really tough. And it just doesn't feel like there are enough out there. And maybe it's because there's this twice as hard thing that's maybe in the back of my mind, you know, where you mentioned we have to work twice as hard. I've grown up being told that as well. Being average is not good enough. That's nothing. You've got to be the best So maybe I'm also using that without really even realizing it, because I know that when we hire this person, the leadership and everyone around is going to judge how black people work based on this hire. So Mm. it's even bigger than simply giving someone a job, right? This is a big deal and it sets the bar and sets the tone as to who we are and what we do and how we work. Mm. But then even when you do bring that person in, the part that's actually most crucial is that support piece, which is, okay, you want a diverse workforce, but do you understand what that means? Do you Mm. understand the obligation? Because it's work. Supporting someone that is of a minority community or group requires work from your side, proactive work. It requires understanding. It requires listening. It Mm. requires acknowledgement. And even if you don't understand, you should still be able to respect that different perspective. And I think that's the piece that I've found is always missing. That ability to truly support someone who is different in the way that they need it. And so sometimes I even think actually sometimes more damage is done when someone is hired. I've had what I would call traumatizing experiences. Yeah. And I don't feel the person who was part of that experience did it intentionally, but you can't give yourself these big titles when you don't understand people and you assume you know it all just because someone promoted you. Someone who is like you promoted you and gave you an opportunity. That doesn't mean you're even good for your job, let alone good enough to be my manager. Yeah. Oh, so many things you're saying, Lola. So many things. Oh, so many things. (laughs) 
so many things because I I was having this conversation with someone just last week and just little things that this person, their manager's a VP, just basic things that this person wasn't doing. And this person's a VP managing yeah. a massive team. And I was saying to this friend of mine, this is just not acceptable because she wanted to justify, oh, let me give them another chart. I said, it's not acceptable. If you're going to have somebody in that level of seniority, they need to be better. They've just got to be better. This is it. Yeah. Going back to the recruitment piece, I've done a lot of recruitment, a lot. And at the previous place I was, I went from managing a team of two to 200. So I've, I've interviewed and hired a lot of people. And one thing I noticed, so when we talk about diversity, mm. was that if we weren't intentional about tracking, it didn't happen, one. Secondly, this point you made about there's a high level of accountability you feel for bringing in a black person or a minority group person because they're going to judge you based on this person as well. Even though you don't know them, you're just hiring them. Yes, you do want the best person for the job. So that's always the case. But again, it feels like the bar is even higher for minority groups. And then I'm going to just say something here, which people might not love, but I've also seen on the flip side, black people come to interviews and not be their very best because they see me as a black person and they think, oh, I can be relaxed a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, actually, I need you to be on your A game because I can't just let you get in here without you being the best person. And so there's there's just something about that people need to recognize as well. Yeah, yeah. I was usually almost the final interview stage as director. And so they would come in and they'll be really surprised and happy to see a black woman. Yeah. And because I've not seen that through the process. And so that was a positive thing. But just in terms of how you carry yourself and, and what you do is really, really important because the bar is just a different measuring stick. Yeah. The bar is high and the stakes are higher. <laughs> I mean, that is the reality. I think the reason why I am the way I am is because of my parents. It's not because of my school. I'm guessing it's the same for you. Now, if you have parents who are relying on the school system, that's also something that impacts the opportunities they go for Mm. and therefore the visibility in these types of roles and companies. The thing is education, particularly now, is just education. It's giving you information, actually. And the people who progress know how to take information and apply it. So... I see now, when I look at today's generation, so I've got an 11-year-old going off to secondary school. Yes, she'll go and get her GCSEs and all that sort of thing and progress in whichever way she wants to progress. But the reality is, for her to thrive in the world of work, should she decide to go down that path versus other things, there's another playbook that you need. Yes, I do an excellent job because that's just the baseline. But building my personal brand while doing that, being able to go above and beyond in different ways and and basically that visibility piece is the thing that A, I have control over, but is the thing that actually is going to matter most. Going out to build those relationships, having allies, sponsors, mentors who can speak for you. So my program is called Known in Every Room and I called it that because you want to be known in every room. We're all known for something, but what are you known for? The very best leaders, you can mention their name. Like I could be like, oh yeah, so Lola's doing X, Y, Z. Oh yeah, I know Lola. She's brilliant. Lola does this. Lola, That's what you want because those are the things that will help you progress or do whatever you need to do. And the really important decisions about you are always made when you're not in the room. So who is talking about you and what they're saying? We have to think about how are we intentionally building those things. Your performance is just the ticket to the party. It's expected. And everything else has to come on top of that. Yeah, that's very true. One thing that I falsely believed was that my work would speak for me. And actually, it doesn't matter what you do. You can break your back three times. That's not enough. Like you said, you need allies, you need advocates. 
It's your relationships with people that really will be the game changer because they're the ones that are promoting your personal brand as well. So yeah, hard work is not enough, people. I learned the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about female leadership, but do you feel there's an issue in general when it comes to black leadership? I I don't really see black leaders unless it's uh, a company that started in the tech space in Africa or something like that. Mm. I don't, I just don't see black leaders full stop. Yeah, it's interesting. You don't. And it's funny, I was listening to an interview that Thierry Henry did and he was talking about racism in football. He was saying how when he left football and he retired and he was thinking about his next step. So they often have two routes, punditry or being a coach, wanted to lead other teams. And he was saying it's so difficult. There's just no black coaches And FIFA are not doing enough to support getting more minorities into those roles. And again, it's that same thing. It's all good to take the knee and everything else like that. But the reality is you've got racism left, right and centre going on on and off the pitch. The repercussions for what people do are not there. That's just football as an, an example. And you look across all the different industries. It's interesting. So Calendly is run by a black man. I didn't even know that. Yes, and when true. I saw that, I was like, that is amazing. And that is just yes. so inspirational because this is a tool that everybody uses. It's an amazing tool. And this guy, obviously, is very quiet and unassuming, but he has done an incredible job there. And I wonder whether it's a case of, A, we do have people like him, but they're under the radar because whether it's VCs or whatever, they, they're they not necessarily investing into those groups of people or they're not mm. as visible. Because I don't believe that they're not out there. I think it's a case of they're not visible in showcasing what they do. But when you think about businesses and leadership teams, again, it's back to what we said before, Lola, that if they're not going to be really intentional of we want to get a minority group into leadership and not in a performative way, but like generally we really want diversity, it's not going to happen. And again, it starts from the bottom of who are you hiring and how are you progressing? Because I've seen companies work really well to hire in, but then they don't keep those people. So then you've just wasted time. And so going back to what you were saying before around that support, it's recognising that, yes, we have to hire in and, and make sure we're doing that at the, at the foundational level. But then what programmes do we have internally? How are we supporting them? How are we connecting them with mentors? All of that sort of thing. And that is additional work, but it's really needed. I rarely see black male leaders. I see a lot of female leaders, but I guess I'm in that space a lot, so I will see a lot more, but I don't see enough of them. And if you look at the FTSE 100, how many of those CEOs are from a black background? Very little, if any, I don't think. So it could be a number of things, but a sole thing of you don't see someone who looks like you. The people who are currently in those roles, they're looking, they're going to get more people who look like themselves. It takes somebody radical to say actually I want to go and secure a person who's nothing like me because this is the best thing for this organization that does not happen yeah sometimes it happens but it doesn't really always happen even where a black person does get that opportunity so maybe they move into a senior role a role within the leadership team you often find that they're just there for optics Yes, you can give your opinion, you can provide input, but that only goes so far. It's not necessarily going to be things that will be impactful. And actually, when people talk about diversity, they don't understand that that means difference of communication delivery. That means difference of perspective, difference of opinion, and that being okay. Often what they mean is, yes, we'll let you in, but you have to assimilate. You have to have the same opinion as us. It's got to sound the way that I speak in order for me to even listen to you and in order for me to respect it. 
I've seen it many times where people have been brought into leadership positions and Mm. they're just good talkers. Often people are brought into senior leadership roles simply as duplicates. (laughs) Yeah. They're carbon copies. And if you don't fit that mold and you don't want to, which is my problem, if you don't fit that mold and you don't want to, then it's a really tough ride. It's a really, really tough ride. And you're constantly questioning yourself and you're wondering, is it me? Am I, am I not being clear? And then maybe you sit in a meeting, you say something, no one really takes heed of it or acknowledges it. And someone who does fit the mold says exactly the same thing. And everyone agrees. It's in those moments that you're like, it's not in my head. This is reality. So I think it's going to take more than putting someone in the role. It's going to take more than giving someone the opportunity and listening to them. Do you value what they're saying? Are you able to look beyond who you think you see and actually see value in what they're communicating? Is, is that even possible? I would say it is possible and it depends on a couple of things. It depends on who and why you are hired fundamentally. If I think about my last role when I was working for someone else, I was working for an ed tech. I joined them when they were a very small company. I progressed quite a lot in that organization to a point where then I was running the biggest team in that organization. So a team of 200 people. Now that came about for a couple of reasons. Well, obviously I worked really hard. I had demonstrated that I knew what I was doing. I had built relationships very intentionally across the business. So when I did come into the room and I knew I was the only and I spoke, I was respected because the work spoke for itself. But also, well, I say that's I'm going to say that statement, but I'm going to validate it. The work spoke for itself in as much as that. When I said stuff, I got that stuff done. I solved problems and did all that sort of thing. Mm. I had good managers in that organization who were good advocates for me at a much more senior level. So when you are progressing through and coming into those meetings and things, yes, you've got the things that you're doing to build your brand and relationships, but you've also got the respect of your manager. And again, this is why I said it matters who hired you. If your manager's not respected, anybody in their team's not respected. So that's really, really important. Now, if you're hired as a tick box exercise, you will know very quickly that was the case yeah. because you will try to get stuff done. You cannot get stuff done. You will try to make it, um, movement and progress and things and just things are just difficult. And I've seen that. And I see that a lot in DEI roles. I'm really sorry to say they're hired as tick box roles. But the reality is when that individual is trying to get stuff done, they cannot get stuff done because they're just not respected in that role. And I think that's where you've got a real challenge. Now, when you identify that's what's happening, this is where you've got to face the question of, well, what do I do? Do I stay here because I'm not clearly being valued or listened to? Or do I go? And I know it's easy to say, oh, do I stay or do I go? It's not as simple as just like the jump ship into another job. But the reality is that's a cultural thing in this organisation. And if it's something that you have the capacity to fix, is it something you're even able to fix? Probably not. So for your own mental health and sanity and just asking yourself, so this place I need to be, do I go somewhere else? So it really does depend because I have seen black leaders who have thrived because they have the right support. And this is what I'm saying. So I had the right support. My sponsor was very senior. I had a coach. I said I needed an executive coach. I got a coach outside of the organization. And I just made sure I was like, what do I need to thrive in this role? Because again, you don't know what you don't know. And ask for those things because there's nothing worse than you've worked hard to get to this place you're not able to do your very best work because you just haven't got the support. That is the perfect scenario to grow in. Perhaps something that people don't do enough is leave sooner. I think there's this thing around not wanting to fail. I've got to make this work. 
make the decision sooner and do yourself a favor. Like you said, even just for mental health reasons, it's just not the best way to do things. If you don't leave on the right time, what will happen is that your internal self-belief will start to dwindle. How you see yourself will start to reduce. You'll start to value yourself less. And then it'll become this self-perpetuating cycle of like, oh, I don't think I can go somewhere else. Who's going to hire me? Versus the fact that actually, I don't need to be in this sort of environment. I know my worth. I know all the things that I'm capable of. Here's all my receipts. Let me get out of here and go somewhere. So it's really, really important to not find yourself in that situation for too long because then it'll just have this cycle of keeping you stuck there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. So another piece that you talked about was the importance of personal branding. Can you talk more on that? Personal branding, whether you love it or you hate it as a, as a term or phrase, it's here to stay. It's essentially what people think about you when you're not in the room, when they say your name, what comes to mind. And the great thing about your personal brand is that you get to control it. So throughout your career, you might find yourself at lots of different places where you've worked, but your brand is the thing that stays with you. And if you're intentional with that, you can craft and curate a personal brand that goes ahead of you a lot of times, opens doors for you, brings opportunities. So when I work with clients and some of the things that I've done training on is what I call pie theory. You mentioned, I thought my work would speak for itself. A lot of women think, oh, well, I'm doing a great job. My work will speak for itself. Well, actually, it hasn't got a mouth, so it won't. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you think about that, you have to be a bit more proactive. PI stands for performance, image and exposure. And they all have different weighting around how they influence your progression. People think performance is the biggest one and actually it's 10%. Okay, so the rest, image and exposure, the ones have the most impact. So obviously your performance, this is the work that you do, the results that you deliver. And like I was saying before, it's the ticket to the party. That's just opens the gate. Then you've got your image. So this is the way that you're perceived and this is your personal brand. And then your exposure, this talks about how well you are known and by whom. So when you think about perception, you could be doing all the most amazing things, but if you're perceived to be working on the wrong thing, if you're perceived to be not a hard worker or perceived to be anything that's negative, then that's not going to help you no matter how well you're working. When you're sitting down to think about your personal brand, the questions you're asking yourself is, what do I want to be known for? And when people are talking about me, what are they saying? Personal brand includes things like how you interact with people, things that you say, if you think more broadly, you could be on LinkedIn, you could be sharing your profile and your things that you're doing on there. Internally, the relationships that you have, again, it's your brand. When you think about performance meetings and progression conversations, it's your manager who's going into a room to defend and advocate for you. He or she will be doing that with their peers. What kind of relationships do you have with your manager's peers or your manager's manager? So these are all things of like, how well do they know you in terms of your personal brand? And then other things to think about with your personal brand is, how can I use my personal brand to, particularly as a black woman, to open the door for others? So this is the thing that was really important for me. If I'm going to progress and have a, a job with a lot of influence, I need to make sure that I'm opening that door so others can walk through that door. Yeah. And that's the thing that we miss when we don't have black female leaders in senior positions. There's just nobody there who's been able to fight the cause and to say, well, actually, this wouldn't work because of X or no, you can't do that because this is how it would be perceived. So that's all part of your branding. And like I said, you get to build that, but it's also very easy to destroy it by doing the wrong things as well. So a lot of women don't recognize or don't realize the importance of that. They think, well, I'm working hard, keep my head down. It's all good. No love, you've got to get your head up. You've got to go and talk to people. 
you've got to go and build relationships and you've got to basically tell the world who you are. Where a lot of black people miss out is not everyone, but most of us are working in spaces that our parents didn't work in. So it's not like this knowledge Mm -hmm. can be passed down. We're working it out as we go along and even then still don't get it, right? So it does really require, it feels like, understanding the game of business and how to actually stand out within a business. Then my question when it comes to that is there's this conversation about bringing your authentic self to work. How does that fit in to this way of working in order to stand out in the right way? Yeah, I guess that phrase is such a cliche phrase. (laughs) Um, It it is. But let me explain how I see that phrase. A lot of this comes down to culture. So Mm. when you're going to choose a job or a place to work, just as they're interviewing you, you're interviewing them. Yeah. Is this somewhere I want to work? Is this a place where it's inclusive? Is this a place where I feel I could be myself? That's first and foremost. Because if those things exist, and that is the culture of the organization, bringing yourself to work, meaning to be yourself and to be able to be in an environment where you thrive, then becomes easier. Now, the thing to recognize is that where you go and choose to work will have an impact on how you show up. For example, if you're working in a bank versus, say, a little tech startup, the culture is different. How you dress is different. The way you speak is different. So you do need to acknowledge that and not be like, well, I don't speak that way. I don't, well, you have to make adjustments. That's the way it works in that kind of place because you, and you've chosen to go there. Now, having said that, when you now are in a place where I like the culture, I like the inclusivity, everything else like that, and you're feeling that you're having to put on a mask or code switch all the time. And for those of you who don't know, code switching is where you're changing the way you speak and the language is fitting with the dominant culture. That again can be hard. And you mentioned something before around your upbringing can influence how you go into these spaces because what you've experienced or what you've been told. So for example, if you've somebody who's gone to university and somebody who hasn't gone to university, and I'm just being very generalistic, but I've worked with a lot of apprentices who didn't go to university. There's things that you're teaching them that they haven't learned because they didn't go to university. And this is not about knowledge about a topic. This is just about communication and writing well and different things like that. So it's the recognition of that. Now, if we're going back to the conversation, what we're saying about bringing yourself to work, there is an element of growth that sometimes needs to happen when you go into a new job because it's it's a new place that's different. If you're having to completely change who you are, then that place isn't for you. Mm. And at the end of the day, I recognise that if I'm going into white spaces, I do need to make some adjustments. Now, I can still be myself and that means different things to different people. So that could be how I express myself and what I wear or how I express myself and how I have my hair, for example. But though I do know that there are some adjustments I will have to make just because that's the space that I'm in and I'm happy to do that. So the question always comes down to, are you happy to do that? Yeah. And if you're not happy to do that, then maybe that's not the right place. Things like how you dress and how you wear your hair, and all that, I don't think they should be big issues. Some places make them big issues and it has nothing to do with how you work. But for example, if you're going into a space where the culture is very much a particular way and you're just not like that. You're going to create a really tough environment for yourself. Yeah. So I wouldn't even step into it. So that's why you have to be careful. And you've got to think when you're going and applying for these jobs, it's so important at the interview stage and when you're talking to people and when you get into it, is this a culture that is accepting of the kind of person I am? And if it's not, then that's something you've got to think about. 
Yeah, very true. I would even also add to that, that when you do go into an office or for an interview, you should feel comfortable. If you don't feel comfortable, that's your first sign, you know. Yes, you will become more comfortable over time, but there should be a base level of comfortability when you do visit an office space, just in terms of how people are interacting with you and others, etc. I'm sure there's some environments that embrace diversity and, and embrace minority leadership very well, but I wouldn't say they're the majority. Equally, when you think about your career, you can't necessarily jump from job to job every time something isn't going your way because perfection doesn't exist. Mm. So considering that, how do black females and probably the biggest stumbling blocks that a lot tend to go through is around being opinionated and that translating to being angry and aggressive, (laughs) just communicating your thoughts confidently considering all of that we have to also learn how to survive in these environments whether that means adapting etc what is your advice around that because we also want people to have careers with longevity and that can show they can sustain themselves yes I agree and the thing is with work like I said earlier how well your experience at work is or how good it is does actually depend a lot on your manager so you could have a culture, talks the game, but mm, it's still got some work to do, but has a manager who is 100% passionate about diversity and inclusion. Yeah. And yeah. you could be completely fine. So whatever's mm. going on in the bigger sense doesn't really touch you because your manager is doing all the right things. So that's something to be to be mindful is when you're going into you know a role, who you're working for really matters and understanding what matters to them. And if it's something that's big on their agenda, then it will definitely trickle down. If it's not, you'll see that. In terms of thriving, the first thing is start with self-awareness, things that we can control. Really going to understand yourself is really important. So yourself in terms of your strengths, how best you work, what are your triggers and how to best look after yourself when you know you're getting to that point of really stressed or burnt out, how are you going to bring yourself back to regularity? That's really important. And an understanding that is then how you leverage your strengths. And then the second part to that of having your own self-awareness is to start to understand others. Because when you think about, let me give the example of a meeting where you'll have a really important decision to be made or you're, you're having to deliver some bad news about something or you want to be received well, understanding people really matters here, irrespective of race. And this is where people, I find, don't put in the work to build those relationships. And then worry like, well, why did this person not listen? Or why are they just did? So example, you have a meeting. It's a really important meeting. Before the meeting, you go and have separate conversations with different people who you know are going to have an influence in the success of that meeting. That's just something that you get to understand what's important for them and what is the things that doesn't matter to them. Because sometimes you can be in a meeting trying to get something over the line and you're fighting, quote unquote, over the wrong thing. Or they're holding on to that doesn't really matter massively to you. But because it's like, well, I need to do it. Well, no, we don't do that. We're going to be really strategic as women. We're going to look at the bigger picture. We're going to see, okay, in this group of people, who are the people that I need to have good relationships with? And who are the people that I need to keep on side? When you talk about thriving and, and surviving in an environment, targeting those people. So whenever I come into a new role, I always sit down and say, okay, who are my key stakeholders that I need to form relationships with? And I go out and start having those conversations. And it's not about when there's a problem, please come and help me. Because I'm regularly meeting with them and have a relationship. When there is a problem, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, fine, Chi Chi, let's sort this out. So it's about spending that time to do that. So we've talked about self-awareness and getting to know people. Secondly, you're then getting clear on what your job is and expectations. 
often when you're not clear on what's expected of you or what is needed to maybe get to the next level, that's where there's a bit of frustration around goalposts moving or this, this and this. So again, having a good manager really helps with this. But even if your manager is not proactive in doing this, you can do this with them and say, I just want to make really clear, I just understand what my job is. I want to make sure um, really clear what's expected of me, what's important to you, Mr. or Miss Manager. What are your priorities? What are the things that are keeping you up at night? How best do I communicate with you? Just making sure that those mechanisms are in place. You just want to make sure that you've crossed the T's and dotted the I's. Because when things happen, both good and bad, you can say, well, here's everything. Here's what we did. Here's what I did. And be able to demonstrate that. So once you're clear on your job and expectations, then as you are doing your job, you're making sure that you're keeping a record of things that you're doing. You're keeping a record of your achievements and results, because again, receipts, we keep all our receipts. And, and then the final thing, and I've touched upon relationships, is mentors, allies and sponsors. So the difference between all of these are a sponsor is someone who's in a senior role, not your manager, a lot senior than you, and they basically are sharing their social capital with you, if that makes sense. So they can speak on your behalf in, in those meetings. They are your sponsor. So they basically have your back and they, they're vouching for you. Now, we don't go around and come like, can you be my sponsor sort of thing? <laughs> Sponsors typically come to you and say, I want to sponsor you. But they do that because they see an individual they like what they see because they're basically putting their back out to say in the same way we talked about when we hire a black person, we feel responsible. It's the same thing. A sponsor has the same thing. So sponsors are really helpful. I've seen it time and time again. There's a situation or there's something you're trying to progress through or do anything. And your sponsor can just go ahead or go above and do whatever they need to do. Allies are people who are, again, across the business. They support your work. They know you. Again, they're willing to advocate for you and speak up for you. That's what an ally is. So you want to have allies in every room because, again, when decisions are being made, they can be like, oh, no, no, I spoke to Chi last week and that's not what she's trying to do. Or, no, no, this was the best thing that I think would work because I know what Chi working on. It, it, that's what an ally will do. So, so important to have those. Because then when you are in those meetings, your allies can speak up for you and they have the best interest at heart. And then finally, a mentor. If you can get a mentor in your organisation, great. If you can get a mentor in your organisation who looks like you, even better. But that's not always the case. But again, mentors are good because basically they've trodden the path and they're able to help you get from A to Z without making as many mistakes they did. So that is something that you can proactively go and get. So if there's somebody that you've seen or there's a particular thing that you want to develop and you've seen it in a person, you can go and ask them, can you be my mentor and learn from them? So all of those things are going to help you. It doesn't mean that things will always be perfect, but it means that you're creating an environment to help yourself. And just going back to the second point around jobs and expectations, when you're thinking about projects and other opportunities, you can go and create your own opportunities, but make sure that they're aligned to the organisation and, and what the organisation wants to do. But this is where you can, again, be smart and think about what can I do here to add value to this organisation? Yes. Um, that is also going to help me as well. Yeah, I've loved every single point you've made here. Beginning with self-awareness, I don't think people self-reflect enough. I think people are often looking for the world to fit them, so to speak. But there's always something we can do. Me too, regardless of the number of years of experience that I have, to work better, to work with certain individuals better, etc. And then actually understanding the person. So sometimes you have people in senior leadership roles and from the distance, it can seem like there's a wall up or they, they just don't listen. 
And actually, if you start to have one-to-one conversations with these people, they are lovely. (laughs) Um, And actually just taking the time to build those one-to-one relationships, that's how you get your allies. That's how you get people to understand the things that you're finding difficult. It's still a human being and sometimes you've got to, and I know this may sound weird, but let go of the fact that you're a black female and just remember you're a human and so are they. You have your strengths and weaknesses, so do they. But you can connect with anybody. Just take the time and just build it up over time. It does take work. It takes self-work and then it takes work to actually build those one-to-one relationships Mm. and utilizing them in whatever capacity. You build those allies without doing it intentionally. It's just bringing someone into your world. Mm. And get into their world as well. That makes a difference. Yeah, exactly. Something you just said that really just reminded me of something of knowing that you're a black female, but not allowing that label to define you. Yes. Because on one hand, it can go the other way. You look at everything through that lens. So anything anybody does is, oh, it's become black. When actually it's not. So it's a really fine balance with how you manage that. Yes. Okay. Recognize that. Yes, I'm a black female and there are nuances with that. But at the same time, I'm not going to allow that to completely define me. I am more than that. And again, this goes back to this whole confidence piece and self-worth piece. If you were given a job, you were given the job because you were the best person for the job. Now, even going back to this performative piece, even if they did put you into the role to tick a box, they still gave you the job. So I'm here now. I'm in the seat. I'm at the table. I'm going to use it. Yep, exactly. In respect of how you got into that place, you're there now. So what are you going to do with that? And how are you going to use this new position or your influence to make the most of it? This is it. Don't allow it to define you. Leverage it. Let it be your superpower, but don't let it be the only thing that you're defined by. Exactly. And when you are given the opportunity, take it. Take the ball by the horns. And where you've talked about actually defining the role. What are the goals? Are we aligned? Check in. Sometimes you won't have a manager who knows how to do their job effectively, I'm sorry to say. it's true. And it could be for different reasons. But then it should be even more important for you to manage yourself through your relationship with your manager. So you may have to be that proactive person in order to get what you need and want. You have to self-advocate massively. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every step of the way, you've got to take ownership. If you want it to be a success, take ownership and put in the work. No one cares more about your career than you. And even with the best managers in the world, you're the one who still cares more about your career. So the proactivity, the ownership piece is so key. And there's so much out there in terms of resources that that can help you with that, particularly if you do have a manager who is just not their strength to do this stuff. You can drive those conversations. You can drive your development. You can get those opportunities. You can build your brand and just take control of those things. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you've talked about allyship. You've talked about sponsors. You've talked about mentors. Obviously, you do executive leadership coaching. Will coaching help solve the problem or potential problems, whether they be problems that might be in the person's perception or their environment? Is coaching potentially the solution? Yeah, well, I'm biased. So I (laughs) believe coaching is a fantastic mechanism for Mm. lots of situations. And sometimes people think you need coaching when things are going wrong. But actually coaching is for all seasons. So earlier I mentioned when I became a director, one of my first requirements was I want to get a coach. Because I know the importance of A, having an external voice, but also somebody who's there to help support and challenge me. 
somebody who holds up a mirror, challenges your perception, is able to help you get from A to B. Or if something isn't working, why isn't it not working? Or particular relationships at work, giving you that, well, let's look at the other person's perspective. How could we so coaching is really powerful for helping you develop you. Mm. We talked a little bit about self-awareness before. Coaching helps you understand yourself a lot more, mm. particularly your mindset around what you're thinking about things, because it's your thoughts that influence how you feel, which obviously then influences how you behave. So with coaching, we're going back to that. What is it you're thinking here? Why do you have that thought? And what's put that thought there? And so what you're trying to achieve, what's going to stop you from achieving that? How can you put things in place to support yourself? And it's that accountability. So coaching is such a powerful tool. And also when you're a leader, you pour out so much of yourself to others. You hold space for so many people. Coaching yeah. is an opportunity for the space to be held for you. And, mm. and I know that when I was having my own coaching, I looked forward to those 90 minutes every two or three weeks where it was just my space to talk about things and go away with clarity and a bit of an action plan. What can people expect when working with you? Good question. Well, they have an ally, professional ally, as, as I would like to say. You have somebody in your corner who is really there to help you get to the very best of who you are. So mm. We all have ambitions. We all have things we wanted to do, but there's sometimes some things are just holding us back. So when I work with you, it's really understanding, firstly, what is it that you want? Sometimes we think we know what we want, but then we strip it all away. We realize, actually, I don't want that, but I want this. So what is it that you want? And then how do we get there and help and partner with you? And then I like to bring in my experience to support. So people often come to me because I've been where they want to go. And when I was looking for a coach, that was important for me as well, because I wanted somebody who understood the nuances of senior leadership role, being a parent, all these different things. That's something that I find people connect with as well. And within that, there's this piece of how do I support you to solve? some of the challenges and problems that come up at work or within your career and really empower you to make those changes so I keep you accountable things that you've said that you want to do I'm also a safe space for discussing different things and yes it's leadership coaching but a big part of our lives is what's happening in our personal lives as well so often with coaching we'll touch upon all the different things that sort of feed into making you the person that you are so that is what I do lovely okay great and how can people contact you or find out more about you? Yeah, so I think the easiest, if you just hop onto LinkedIn, look for Chichi Arachalu. I post on there quite regularly. All my contact information is on there as well. So if you want to find out more or have any questions or anything, yeah, just head over to LinkedIn and connect there. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today on today's episode of A Human Perspective. It's been a pleasure having this conversation. And yeah, to be honest, initially I was a bit like, oh, because it, it, it does feel a bit sensitive. But I do think it's an important conversation to have not only for black females or any black professional, but also for leaders to hear the difficulties of navigating commercial environments when you are a minority or a perspective of that. So thank you so much for joining me today and opening up in this way. I appreciate it. My pleasure. I really enjoyed having the conversation. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of A Human Perspective. If you enjoyed the topic discussed today, don't forget to subscribe, review and share with anyone who may find our topics of interest. If you're interested in working with me, feel free to reach out to me via LinkedIn. Just search my name or email me at lola at ahumanperspective.com. I look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode. See you there.